This is your host, Seth Essenson, for Straight Talk with NDFB today. I'm sitting here just north of my hometown of Warwick in the hometown of Mr. Eric Osmstead, who has lengthy experience with North Dakota Farm Bureau, as well as our affiliate company and NODAC Insurance Company, as well as his agricultural experience. As most of you know, we are transitioning our podcast in Straight Talk from a policy-based podcast to a more business-oriented podcast that's going to be focusing on issues of science, technology, education, as well as uh, issues of diversification. And that's one of the things that we're really excited to have Eric here as our guest today. So thank you very much for joining us today, sir, and thank you for your time. You're a busy man. You've got uh, family involved in your, in your farming and agricultural organization, and you've got all kinds of sidelines going, Eric. How are things going for you? Oh, thanks, Seth. Thanks for having me. Things are going good. It, they have to go good or, or your life would be awfully miserable. Things are as busy as they've ever been, probably busier. I guess Kareen and I, we look at ourselves as being some of the luckiest people on earth. We've got three great kids that we never thought all three of them would be involved in the industry. They all three are in very different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, our son Taylor's taking over the farm, mm-hmm. which we're really glad to see. His oldest sister, Britt, is a government relations specialist for Land O'Lakes in Washington, D.C. And our youngest daughter, Jenna, is an agronomist for CHS. So all three are in the industry in very, like I said, in very different ways. And we're, we're awful proud of that. At the very least, you've done three things, right? Well, yeah. That's, <laughs> I, that's probably right about where it stops. <laughs> I, I don't know about that. Um, first off, I think that it's it's most important to, to start from the beginning. As, as we look to move forward uh, with this podcast, I'm real interested to hear the story of of your agricultural journey, when that started, how it looked. From the conversations that I've had with you, times were tough back then when you started. We had drought to contend with, followed by a 10,000-year flood here in this basin. There have been numerous issues um, over the course of your lifetime and your professional career in agriculture. In my opinion, after having those conversations with you, you met him head on, and that's the type of person that you seem to be. So just interested to, to give our listeners a little bit of background on where it all started for you, the issues that you had to contend with, how you diversified back then, and then coming into the, the organization of Farm Bureau, how you found that as, as another tool to put in your in your tool belt, and some of those details. So I'll let you take it away from there. Well, Seth, I'll just start real briefly on my career farming it started in about 1983, really in earnest in 1984. I decided I needed to come back here and work for myself because I really wasn't made to work for other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was something I always kind of knew, but you know, you gotta, you know, get done with school and go try. And it was all farming is what I always wanted to do. So I came back here, started farming with my dad, and uh, we had livestock then, and 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 farmed some ground and kept accumulating more slowly. We went through the rest of the 80s and starting in the 90s, and, and uh, there were a lot of good times. There were a lot of tough times. You mentioned the flood. I guess at the high point of the flood, we had about 2,500 acres under Devil's Lake. How do you recover from something like that, Eric? You, know, you put your head down and you keep going. Right. You know, we, we were lucky. We had some good bankers. Mm-hmm. We had a plan, mm-hmm. and we were able to execute the plan to some degree of success. Didn't have a lot else we could do. Mm-hmm. When you start in the business of agriculture, it's a cash-intense business. It takes a lot of money. And we had a lot laying out there. And you can't just say, well, I'm sick of that today and brush your hands off and walk away. So time you, to find you, a new job. Yeah, time to find a new job. <laughs> so you, but you just keep going. 
it wasn't easy. I credit most of our success to my wife, my partner. You know, she had to put up with a lot for me and a lot from everything else. And she did. You know, it takes two. And I think we made a pretty pretty good team. I guess when the, the, the flooding started and even before that, I was raised around Farm Bureau. Mm-hmm. My parents were quite active. With some of the things that were happening back in the early 90s, it drove me to want to be on our county board. And I was asked to in, I think, 91 maybe. And I took the opportunity. And it wasn't very long before I saw value in the organization, in uh, the fight over now an obscure law called No Net Loss of Wetlands. Farm Bureau took that on head on and repealed a law that did nothing but hurt agriculture. Can you tell our, our listeners what that policy revolved around and, and how it affects us here in, in the, the prairie pothole region? Sure. The, the no net loss of wetlands state law essentially said that no wetland can be drained unless it's mitigated, unless you find other wetlands that had already been converted and convert them back to being a wetland, so then you could drain yours. The state law was all predicated on the completion of the garrison diversion project, which we know never never happened. happened. Never happened. But when they when when the federal government reneged on finishing that project, it seemed to a bunch of us in Ramsey County Farm Bureau and other farm bureaus in the area that we need to get this off the books. Why should the state of North Dakota hold up their end of the bargain and, and damage the farmers in this area or the state if the federal government couldn't live up to their end of the deal? So we took we took it to task. I believe it was in the 91 session, got beat, and not ever being real smart and not knowing when to back down. Paul Becker and I, from Ramsey County here, good friend of ours, decided we need to do this again. And we visited with Howard Schmidt and the state board. Howard was the chairman of North Dakota Farm Bureau at the time. And he said, well, if you guys will help out, we'll take a run at her. And the folks that were the lobbying staff at the time for Farm Bureau, they all did an excellent job. And the, the end result was no net loss got repealed. That showed us that there was a true value in Farm Bureau that we probably didn't even realize. I, I mean, we knew there was a value there, but, but that really exemplified it. And then moving into the flood up here and all the issues surrounding this it go on in the state of North Dakota, that involve agriculture, those things that affect agriculture. It, I guess through my lifetime, it's been really gratifying to see Farm Bureau at the center of those. And there again, even the years I spent as chairman, I didn't always agree with everything we had to promote. But that's not your job is leadership. You you represent the membership, and the membership's always right. And that was the other thing that really drew me to it was the way that the policy was developed, still is developed. And the implementation of that policy on behalf of the members who are just, you know, we're all just farmers out here, businessmen doing what we do. And it's, it's very gratifying to know that and, and very important to understand that there's an organization out there like Farm Bureau that can do the things Farm Bureau can do. That's why I guess when I look back on my life and my career, I'm always going to be beholding to Farm Bureau. I gained far more from it than it ever gained from me. Very well said. You mentioned your time as, as chairman. So where from the county board did, did you go in, in your involvement with, with North Dakota Farm Bureau? You saw that value in the 91 session. You took a run at it again. 
Uh, plug to, to Mr. Howard Schmidt, I think from some of the historical stories that I've heard you tell, Howard was a very good man, very good leader, had a way with people. No doubt that that impressed you. Like you said, you saw what Farm Bureau had to offer in terms of that that policy development process and how it could make differences right right there in your community. There again, going forward, upwards of uh, 30 years, it comes full circle and continues to make progress in counties like Ramsey County. Can you tell us a little bit about where your career took you when it started raining maybe in 1993 and just quit here last year? and where you went all in between. You mentioned you lost 2,500 acres at one time. I imagine you didn't have it all paid for in cash, and I won't ask you specifically about your business, but as a producer myself who's trying to get going with that, I just don't know how it works, Eric. Can you can you talk to us about where your career went and, and how your involvement with Farm Bureau tied into that over the course sure, of the next 30 sure. years? I guess I'm not really sure where it went either. It went fast, right? But sometimes things just happen. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said earlier, when all this happened to us, I can't even recall how many sleepless nights there were. I can't recall how many tears were shed or how many rollades were eaten. It, mm-hmm. it just, it, it is what it is in the moment. And you do what you need to do to do your deal. And ours was farming. Mm-hmm. Uh, you stuck with it. We stuck with it. We did things that, that we probably wouldn't have done under normal ideal circumstances. You know, we, we, we started doing some custom work mm-hmm. to try to, you know, help pay some bills. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife had a, a good job and that always helps. But we, we did what we had to do. That, that, and that's what anybody has to do that's, that's an independent businessman. You've got to do what you need to do. And, and that's probably with anything. As my farming career moved forward, so did my Farm Bureau career. I became very interested in the operations of the organization and, and wondering, how could I give back to something that has done so much for me? As the normal cycles go, there was a spot opened up for District 4 directorship, and I decided to run for it. And I run against, uh, didn't run against, but a, a very good friend of mine, Dale Overton from Candu. Him and I both run for the same position, and I was lucky enough to prevail. Uh, I think it was one vote. It was never a contest, so to speak, between Dale and I. We both wanted it, and I was the one that was lucky enough to get it. It was an eye-opening experience to to serve on the board of a statewide organization. You know, young guy, that guy's 40 years old. Just kind of sat back and, wow. But a couple of years after I got it, we needed somebody to run for chairman. The gentleman that was the chairman was stepping down. And somebody needed to run. And a few people said, well, let's find somebody to do that. And I'll never forget where I was. I called a dear old friend of mine, John Bolingberg from Bremen. And John had served on the North Dakota Farm Bureau Board some years earlier. And we thought John would make a good chairman. So I was sitting at the railroad tracks waiting for a train to go by in the cab of a John Deere combine with my old bag phone sitting on this window by me. And it was a long train, had a long time to wait, so I called John Bullingberg and I said, John, we chatted for a while. We were done combining for the fall. I was just taking it home to clean it up, put it away. And we chatted for a while, and he said, Eric, what can I do for you? And I said, well, John, we're looking for somebody to run for the president of North Dakota Farm Bureau. And John said, well, I'm flattered, but he said, I'm going to turn you down. And I said something kind of glib, and you know, like, well, you can't be too flattered if you're saying no. And he said, no, no, Eric, he said, I am, I'm flattered. But he said, 
I'm semi-retired. He said, I serve on a couple boards here and there, and it, it, and it keeps me occupied, and it's like what I want to do. And he said, Farm Bureau is a big deal. He said, it's an important part of this state. And he said, the reason I'm saying no is because whoever sits in that chair, and this is a direct quote from John Bowenberg, he said, Eric, whoever sits in that chair has to have agriculture biting him in the ass every day. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm not there anymore. He said, I'm enjoying my life. So you need to find somebody that's an active farmer, somebody that's young, somebody that, that's out there feeling it every day. And I took that home with me, and I thought about it for a couple of days, and I talked to my wife about it, talked to some friends of mine about it, and I talked to some older guys about it. You know, my friends were all like, yeah, I do it, do it. You know, my wife was, well, you know, if you think that's what you want to do and you think you have time, okay, I'll support it. And the old guys were, well, you're too young. <laughs> I was 41 years old. Mm -hmm. Now you're too young. But I said, okay, then tell me somebody that would do it. Tell me somebody would be better. And nobody could. So I took a chance and mm -hmm. I run. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's probably the second best decision I ever made in my life. Besides your wife. The, the first one was getting talking to my wife into marrying me. <laughs> and uh, it opened my eyes so wide to things. And I think probably because, and not by anything I did, but by the people I, I got to interact with. Here's a name from the past that, that none of the young people that hear this will recognize, but a, a gentleman by the name of Herb Manning. You know, I owe so much to that man. And Herb, Herb started as the administrator of North Dakota Farm Bureau the same time I started as chairman. Well, the long and the short of it was he was the most connected man I'd never I'd ever met. He knew everybody from the vice president of the United States to you know the people that run the U.S. Senate to. You name it. He, he knew somebody in every corner of government. But more than that, he knew so much about people in general. And he knew so much about the Farm Bureau and what it meant to farmers and ranchers. Even though Herb never was one, he always had a deep appreciation for the things that we do and for rural America. And then he hired Jeff Missling, who's the current administrator, and really did a lot for this organization. The things that we, we got to do in the time I was chairman you know, the influence that Farm Bureau had, not me as chairman or not our board as a board, but the organization on issues was so gratifying, so important to the state. And it's certainly something I'm never going to forget. You know, things have changed some maybe in the state of North Dakota. We've become a lot more urban state than we were when I was chairman. You know, and it's not that long ago, but things are changing fast. But in retrospect, things always change fast. The state was far more urban when I took the reins than it was when Howard Schmidt had them. And it wasn't that many years. But we see these things changing. And our organization needs to change. And it is changing. We see that. But as the number of farmers and ranchers declines, and it's going to, simply because of technology, not by any boogeyman or, right. or any, any dastardly deed done out there. Technology just dictates that we don't need all these people living out there anymore doing this. Economy of scale. And it's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's just what is. Mm -hmm. And I've always been extremely proud of Farm Bureau for embracing technology, for embracing change instead of trying to fight it every step of the way. And I think it's a mindset that certain people have. I guess looking back on my career and my life, if I'd have tried to fight Every bit of change that came along, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today. Right. 
So you would have cashed that. You would have cashed it in on that twenty five hundred acres underwater <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah, it would have been a heck of a salesman, a heck of a board of director. Like like you have no doubt. But it's what you wanted to do and what you chose to do. It is, and, and it's been a, it's been a blast, you know. And I get it when when I decided it was time for me to step aside and retire from being the chairman of Farm Bureau after twelve years. I didn't regret it. It was time for somebody else. And I mean, I didn't leave the organization. I I moved on with our you know NODAC Insurance Company, and I've been so proud to be part of watching that grow and and become a publicly traded company. Big big changes in the and, last five uh, years. It's been huge. It's been fun. It continues to be fun. What a great company. And, and it's because of the people. It's because of the customers. We're the biggest writer of farm and ranch business in the state of North Dakota. And I think that's something that we can really be proud of. You, you're representing the same people wholeheartedly that, that you were um, going all the way back in the 46, I believe it was. Yep. And, you know, the, the folks that manage that company, that run that company, Jim Alexander and his crew, my gosh, you couldn't find a better bunch of people to run anything. What a testament to a great company and, and a great state and, and the people that we that we get to serve. It was a fun ride. It still is a fun ride. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not old by any stretch of the imagination. I am in some people's minds. I'm 63 years old. I don't mind telling people that. You know, the guys my age, a little older than me, it's time we start giving up the reins. It's time that these young people, men, women, it doesn't matter. It'll be okay, Dad. Yeah, it will be. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's okay, Hal. <laughs> It'll be in good hands. But, but, but no, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, hard to, it's hard to let go of something that you worked your whole life at, and that's one of our strengths. It's also one of our greatest weaknesses. I had this conversation one day with a neighbor of mine. I think a lot of people know that my son and a partner of his are, trying to, are still trying to build a, a hog barn, a farrowing barn. And have met legal challenge after legal challenge. And, and I can't say there again, I can't say enough thank yous to the board of directors of the North Dakota Farm Bureau for taking on this fight. I mean, honest to God, folks, North Dakota Farm Bureau is the only thing standing between the people that would stop the livestock industry and the livestock industry in North Dakota. As well as writing it into our constitution, guaranteeing that right forever. Forever. But don't kid yourself. The only reason these things are happening at all is through the work of North Dakota Farm Bureau, whether it be policy or legal or what have you. Our legal fight's still going on. I suspect it could go on for quite a while. One thing that the members of Farm Bureau have to understand is this isn't about whether or not my son and his partner build a hog barn. This is about the industry in North Dakota ever growing. Livestock as a whole. As a whole, it doesn't matter. Whether you, ha- whether you raise black and white cows, black cows, or you want to raise pigs. The animal agriculture industry in this state is under a full frontal attack, and don't kid yourself that it's not. It might not be you today, but if organizations like Farm Bureau don't have the support of their members, then it will be you, and you don't want to live that after what we've seen. Back to the, the anecdote, I, I got talking to a neighbor of mine one day, and he asked me, he said, what in the hell is that son of yours trying to do? And I said, what do you mean, what's he trying to do? He said, well, this damn hog barn. What, what, what's he trying to do? Diversify, did you tell him? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, not in so many words, but I said, well, what he's trying to do, he's trying to figure out a way to make a living, live where he wants to live. I said, he doesn't have to live here. He's highly educated. He could go do anything he wants to do. But he's chosen this life and a place to raise a family the way he wants to do it. 
On his land. On his land. And, and I said, why would we try to stop that? And he looked at me and he said, well, we don't need anything like that in this community. I said, for God's sakes, look around. There's nothing left of this community. I told him this a few years ago. I said, I'm 60 years old. You're 15 years older than I am. I know it's my turn to get out of the way. It's my turn to give somebody else a chance on screwing this world up because we weren't able to do it in our time. And you know what? They're not going to do it either. So let's let them try. Right. And that, that, I think that's the one thing that we really have to keep in mind, that we're not going to be here forever. And if we can step aside and help these young people, that's probably our greatest duty right now as we get a little bit older, we get white hair. And it doesn't mean we have to throw money at them. It doesn't have to. We just need to let them have a chance. And I, I, I believe in that so strongly. I don't know how to even really state it. Well, kudos to you, and I've had the opportunity to to stay in touch with you, see how that that diversification looked uh, as a, as a family for you guys. And we're sitting here in a in a beautiful building known as Lone Tree Designs. It, it was part of your diversification strategy while you were still farming. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what what led you to that? How that looks? It's been a successful business regardless of of COVID um, in the past year. Obviously, that, that's created challenges, not only agriculturally, but in any small business for that matter. Could you tell us a little bit about the story of how, how Lone Tree came to be? Sure, Seth. Kareem and I, my wife, we have a business called Lone Tree Designs. And what it is, it's, it's a metal yard and gardener home decor business based here in Devil's Lake. It sprung out of my appreciation for building things, for art. Went to school for engineering originally is what you studied. Yep. Yep. And my appreciation for watching the things that I grew up around, ducks, pheasants, deer, livestock, uh, you know, just North Dakota. Mm -hmm. And, oh gosh, about 10, 12 years ago, I was playing around in the shop on the farm one day and I built a duck. And just like any proud little boy, <laughs> I brought this duck home and showed my wife and say, hey, look, honey, what I built. And she looked at me and said, get that filthy thing out of my house. <laughs> and uh, so I did. And, and uh, But she took it to work with her and showed it to some of the girls she works with and wanted, wanted to buy it. And that was the start of Lone Tree Designs. And we now make about 90 different products in our shop here in Devil's Lake. We've got three and a half FTEs that, that work here, then Kareen and I, and and we don't count because we just, you know, we're the owners. So You're the only ones that don't get paid. We're the only ones that don't get paid, just like farming. That's right. And uh but no, it's uh it's been a real satisfying business. It's a it's a business that's let us live here close to where our farm is. It's a business that's let me get out of the way so our son is free to make some of his own mistakes. But Old dad and mom are still close enough that if he needs us to help, we can. You're on, I'm, I'm sure Taylor would say, I'll speak for him, you're proudly on his board of directors. And, <laughs> and when he needs an opinion, he can get some advice from you. Yeah, I'm at least a good maintenance man. <laughs> and, uh, but no, it, it allows us to stay here. We, uh, Like I said, we make garden, yard and gardener at home decor. We've got product into every state in the United States. And, uh, and the business is growing probably faster than we can really handle it. Uh, so if there's anybody out there that has an interest in art and 
welding and things like that that would like to join a growing team and maybe have an interest in taking a business over someday, give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> where, can, where can our listeners find you at, Eric? Do you have a website? Do yeah, you have Facebook? We are. We're on Facebook. LoneTreeDesigns.com is our website. Lone Tree Designs on Facebook. You know, we do a lot of craft fairs and things throughout the Midwest and the Southwest United States. It's been a really fun, gratifying business. Uh, both Karina and I love to be around people. You know, we, we like to talk and we like to we like to watch people enjoy themselves and enjoy the products that we produce. Like I always tell my guys that work here is, you know, always do a good job in what we're doing because we don't build anything anybody needs. We just build stuff people want. And so we need to do an extra special job because they, they are not buying out a need. They're buying, they're, they're actually spending disposable income with us. And I, and I think that gives us a real sense of satisfaction. But it's a, it's a fun business. It's a, it's a fast-moving business. People ask me, well, geez, aren't you getting ready to retire? No, I'm not. I made a change. And I think that is something that I've been able to do my entire life. You don't want to get stuck on any one thing. And, and we haven't. Uh, some of it out of necessity and some of it just because it's fun to do something else once in a while. Absolutely. But it's, it's, it's been a blast. Uh, no sign of slowing down. It's fun to grow a business. It's fun to start a business. And it's, and it's fun to be, be successful at a business. You know, last year was a challenge with COVID, as you said, Seth. But there again, it, it was nothing more than that. It's a challenge. Just, Just like, another bump in the road. It's a bump in the road. And, you know, I think when you don't have any more bumps in the road is when they throw dirt in your face. And I just as soon have a few bumps. Right. For quite a while. Yeah. Right. And uh, it keeps us young. I guess my wife may argue with that sometimes. But, <laughs> but no, it, it is. It's a lot It's a lot of fun. We, we do a lot of traveling because of the business. And we've developed friends all over the country. And, and that's... At the end of the day, that that's worth a lot. Absolutely, I think what I mean. Obviously, our listeners, just like myself, have have had the opportunity to hear the breadth of experience that you have personally, but also in the in the business world. Whether it be with companies that have demutualized and are a public stock company listed on the Russell two thousand, serving as the chairman, I believe it is, of the board of directors of Nodak Insurance Company as well. Is that that's correct? correct? That's correct. <clears throat> have served as as chairman of the board of directors of of a statewide farm organization. Has served as chairman of the board of directors of your own farm organization, uh, currently serving as chairman, co-chairman with uh, with your lovely wife <clears throat> on the board of directors of Lone Tree Designs. What advice would you have for our listeners who are who are likely far less experienced with the game of life and the game of business than, than you are, had the opportunity to experience just a ton. And to me, I could sit here and talk to you for hours about those experiences and how they shaped you and just try to learn from you without maybe taking some of those bumps myself. That's one thing that I've learned in life is you don't have to learn the hard way all the time. Sometimes you can get some really good advice from somebody. What, what advice would you have for our listeners? Um, just, just, to, just to tie it all together, if you would. Don't ever look back. Don't ever long for the good old days. There's nothing as good behind you as there's good in front of you, ever. You look back as a reference. You look back as an education. You look back as, holy cow, I survived that one. But there's nothing behind you 
that's as promising or as fruitful as what's in front of you. There may be days that it doesn't seem that way. Those are hard days to deal with. It makes a lot more sense to you as you age. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense to you when you're 25 years old or 30 years old that there's a plan. And there is. It's, it's developed by somebody that's way over your pay grade. The best we can do is to go with it, roll with the punches, and just keep, keep your head down, have a plan, work the plan, and move ahead. Like I said, there's never, ever anything behind you that's as good as what's in front of you. I just personally just want to thank you for the the mentor that that you've been to me in my experience. It's it's conversations that you're you're willing to have with with everyone, and I think that that's a huge part of the success that you've been <clears throat> excuse me been able to to attain um, in your lifetime. It's the reason why people wanted to to elect you, even if it was only fifty percent plus one to start <laughs> off with. You, you kept your you kept your head down. You got that one vote, and like you said, not looking back. The rest is history. And, and look at everything that you've been accomplishing since then. Can't congratulate you uh, enough for, for what the success that you've had. And, and ultimately, I would say as well, the biggest of those being the best decision you ever made in Korean and then the product of that, your three children. Having the opportunity to spend time with all three of them, um, three different personalities, but definitely came from the same household. Very hardworking, very successful, very determined and very good people, first and foremost. And I uh, just can't say enough about the job that you've done there. Thank you so much for, for the time that you've allowed me. I know you're busy. You got to get packed up to go to a show. Where are you headed next? Uh, just Aberdeen. It's a short short run this time. And after after this next week, then we get busy. It's uh, two, two a week pretty much till Christmas time. And, uh, and then we got to throw harvest in there sometime. Right now, pray for rain. It's just another one of those things in agriculture that it's never just right. It's always too dry, it's too wet, it's too windy, it's too cold, it's too something. But right now, I think the only option we have for rain is to pray for it. I thank you for the time, Seth, I really do. But I think the other thing that really needs to be said here to people is, for God's sakes, don't think you can do it alone. You can't. You know, we hear so much now about you know, talk to people. That's that's the truest thing there is. And it doesn't matter who it is, you know. I guess I am really lucky. You know, my wife and I, we, we can talk about anything. You know, and our kids, uh, you can't do it alone. That's, that's why things like Farm Bureau exist. While it's a great support mechanism policy-wise for the industry of agriculture, it's also a great support system for the people that belong. Absolutely. If they want it to be. Absolutely. Don't think that you need to do things or can do everything by yourself. You can't. It takes a team. It takes a team. Build your team. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's family or close friends or what it is, but it, it, it takes a team. I would just tell young listeners, don't forget that. That's important. Happy to have you on mine, sir. Thank you, Seth. Ditto. Appreciate it. This is Seth Essenson for North Dakota Farm Bureau, and you have listened to another episode of Straight Talk.